My name is Keith Beavers and Beavers, you know? How cool are beavers? They're awesome. What's going on, wine lovers? Welcome to episode 11 of Vine Pairs Wine 101 Podcast Season 2. My name is Keith Beavers. I am the tasting director of Vine Pair, and how are you? Now, we're getting famous. We're talking about the most well-known wine region in Spain. It's called Rioja. It's not that big, but it has a lot of interesting stuff. So let's get it. Let's get, let's get to know Rioja. What do you say? This episode of Wine 101 is sponsored by Las Rocas Wine. Las Rocas Wines hail from an arid, hilly region in the northeast of Spain, where the air is dry and the terrain is unforgiving. Against all odds, Garnacha vines thrive here on these steep, rocky slopes, producing grapes with a signature palette of spice and minerality. These robust vines, some more than 100 years old, lend their lively spirit and character to all Las Rocas wines. Sample the rich and full-bodied flavors of Spain, Las Rocas wine. Rioja is a word that I believe if you're into wine in the United States, you've heard. It might actually be the only word uh, or the only wine from Spain that you may have heard of. Wines from the Rioja region of Spain are some of the most, I mean, they're the most prominent Spanish wines on our market. That's changing dramatically. And there always has been other Spanish wines on our market. But as far as getting eyeballs on it and understanding it, Rioja has had a place on the American market that other Spanish wines haven't. And I believe, I'm going to say, this is not official. This is not a, an official statement, but I personally believe that Rioja is sort of, kind of, Spain's fine wine region. And there's other amazing wine all over. I mean, don't get me wrong. Priorat, uh, Ribeiro del Duero, Ribeiro Saco. There's great wines all over Spain. I'm just saying there's a, there's, a, there's a reputation that Rioja has that other wine regions in Spain don't. And that reputation is what we know on the American market. But what do we really know about Rioja? We get that it's from Spain. Some of us might know that it's Tempranillo and maybe some other varieties. Some of us may know words like Crianza, Gran Reserva, and stuff like that. And we're like, what does it all mean? So let's break down Rioja because it's on our market and it's great stuff. It's awesome wine. Let's understand it a little bit more. So when you do go and buy a La Rioja wine, you know what you're looking at. Just inland from the coast of northeast Spain is a range of mountains called Sierra de Cantabria. And if you cross the Cantabria mountain range, you go into a valley, of course, and that valley has a river, and that river is called the Ebro River. And if you keep on going even further south through the valley, you'll see another mountain range called Sierra de Damanda. And this valley, guided by geological history of the Ebro River flowing from the Cantabria mountains through this valley towards the Mediterranean, runs northwest to southeast. So it's kind of on an angle, if you will. And the mountain ranges on either side of this valley, as you go southeast, those mountains start to get lower and lower and you move into a lower elevation area, which will eventually go into the Mediterranean. In the northwestern corner of this valley, all the way towards the foothills of the Cantabria Mountains, is a town called Aro, H-A-R-O. There is a small tributary of the Ebro River that flows into the city of Aro. That river is called Oja. 
And that river is what lends its name to the province that it exists in and the wine region that exists within the province. La Rioja, Rio Oja, is basically what it means. And from the town of Aro, the river Ebro runs southeast through the capital of the region or province called Logroño. Then it passes, even goes even further south, and we get into the lower-lying areas, passes a major town called Calahora, and then it ends in Alfaro, the town of Alfaro. So you basically have 60-plus miles of the Ebro River. Spanning out from the banks of those rivers are vineyards. It, the vineyards basically just run along the river, and they spread out. If you go in the northern, northwestern part of the river, it's more mountainous, so they spread out into the foothills of the Cantabrias. As you get down towards the Mediterranean, the vineyards just kind of spread out towards the Mediterranean geography. And that's the wine region of Rioja, but, and we're going to get to the boundaries in a second, because it is interesting that the majority of this wine region is in the province of La Rioja, but it also dips into other places like the Basque region and a place called Navarra, which we'll get into. But this little pocket, one of the smallest regions in Spain, I think it's the second most smallest region in Spain, this little pocket of awesome right here has been making wine for a very long time. But this is the thing talking about European wine regions. It gets a little bit repetitive after a while, especially with France, England, and Spain because of the 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 similarities during antiquity and the medieval times. When, when modern times come around, that's when things start getting start getting different. But in Spain, you know, you typically in this region, you would have, you had Roman rule and the wine was being made then. Then there was Moorish rule, which were Muslim and they tolerated winemaking, but didn't, you know, wasn't allowed, they weren't allowed to drink it. Then after that, you would go into medieval times and we all know what happened in medieval times. The monks making wine in isolation, recording things fully funded by the church doing their thing, saving wine all over Europe. But the unique thing about this place, not that, well, the thing about this place is during all those times, the Rioja region was pretty isolated. You know, it's between two mountains. It's very hard to get to the most, to the most, you know, populated areas on the other side of the Cantabria mountains towards the coast going north. But when a trade route was created to Bilbao, which is that that, that port town on the Basque region on, on, the, on the north coast of Spain, that is how the kind of floodgates opened up with Rioja. But that wasn't how Rioja made itself Rioja. Rioja made itself Rioja because of French winemakers. Not really, but kind of. Okay, let me explain. In the mid-19th century, around 1840s, a disease from North America made its way into the vineyards of Europe, specifically France. It's called powdery mildew. And it's a disease that attacks the green parts of vines and creates this, these spores that look like spider webs. It's pretty gross. And it retards the growth of the plant. It, 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 it interferes with certain growth processes of a plant so that it doesn't fo like fully form. It's bad. It was so bad in the 1840s in Europe, especially in France, that wine merchants left France and they actually came to the Rioja region of Spain and started collaborating with winemakers in Rioja to make wine along French ideas and French lines to sell wine that way 
basically leaving the people in France like, you guys figure out your powdering, powdering mold stuff. We as wine merchants are going to go over the Pyrenees and hang out with the Spanish over in La Rioja and make things happen. Whoa. And by the time the French were over there doing this, there was already commercial wineries opening up in the Rioja region that were selling to colonies, the Spanish colonies, actually, and enjoying that trade route to Bilbao. But this time period was this basically defined the standard of wines being made in Rioja going forward. And then in 1901, the first document of phylloxera in Rioja happens. And by that time, the, the French are back over the Pyrenees. They're back dealing with their situation over there. So phylloxera did come to Spain, did come to Rioja. And from that period until about the 1970s, so much happens with, with, with politics, with economics, with, it goes up and down. But what's important about the Rioja region is to understand what it is today. Because the thing is, it's a, it's a region that's, that's, that's changing. There are things changing in Rioja. And in the future, we're going to start seeing more nuances, more details on wine labels, probably. Not really sure, but they're talking about it. So let's get an idea of what Rioja looks like and just understand it so wine shopping could be fun again. So like I said before, the wine region of Rioja is mostly in the province of La Rioja. But part of the northern regions of this wine region, the northern borders of this wine region, dip into other places. There, part of it dips into Alava, which is a autonomous region in Basque country. And part of it dips into Navarra, which is another province. As far as terroir is concerned, the Rioja region is split into three sections, which is very interesting because those three sections don't define what you see on labels so much but it does define what kind of wine is in your bottle. It's a little bit confusing. That's why there's some things going on in, in, this, in this wine region that are kind of trying to update it. But if you were to take a diagonal line, and in the middle of that line, just above it, write Logroño, which is the, which is the capital of this region, that is an access point where you can kind of see where the wine regions are. So on the eastern side of Logroño on the line going southeast, that entire section to the end of that line is Rioja Baja. Well, it was once called Rioja Baja. It's now called Rioja Orientale. Just telling you both because you're going to hear them both. And this is the region that you're, you're kind of going away from the elevation of the mountain towards the Mediterranean. It's a more low-lying, fertile area. So back to the dot that is Logroño, the capital, the majority of the land to the west of Logroño is a wine-growing region called Rioja Alta. Alta meaning tall. It's, we're, we're, about, we're getting into the foothills of the Cantabria, so it's a more hilly region, poorer soils. And those are the two big regions in Rioja. But just north and northwest of the town of Logroño, is a separate wine region that is kind of cut out of the Rioja Alta, separated from that. And then there's another little section that's bisected on the other side. That is a small region they call Rioja Alavesa. And the reason they call it Alavesa is because this is the wine region that goes across the border and into the Basque region into a town called Alava, like I said before. So Alavesa, Alava. So we have Rioja Baja, 
Rioja Alta, and Rioja Alavesa. And those are the three main regions of the Rioja wine growing region. And this is how Rioja is a little bit unique and stands aside from other wine regions, is that this is a wine region that is not defined by political boundaries. It's defined by geography alone. I dare I say terroir. But you, you know, when, when a wine region dips into other autonomous regions, you know it's mostly about that. The other unique thing about this region is how they classify their wine, which we'll talk about in a second. White wine is made in Rioja, but when you're at a wine shop looking at the Rioja section, you're going to see a lot of red. It's primarily a red wine region. And it's often blended. There's more monovarietal wines being made these days, but I believe that because of the French influence, there's a sort of a blending uh, culture going on here. And of course, the number one variety in Rioja is a red grape called Tempranillo. I'm sure you've heard of it. And this is the, this is the grape. You'll, well, if you listen to the Spanish episode last season, you'll know this. It's the country's most ubiquitous grape variety. Or red, definitely. And I believe that's over 80% of the vines in Rioja. But they also grow Garnacha, or Grenache. They grow a grape called Masuelo, which in other parts of Spain is called Carañena, and other, in, in other parts of the world called Carañan. There's the red grape Graciano, which is often blended with Tempranillo. It's kind of come back and forth in favor. And then there's this new, well, it's not new. It's very old, but it's emerging. I think winemakers are trying to bring it out of the obscurity back into the world of Rioja, is this grape called Maturana Tinta. I've never tried wines made from just that grape, and I don't know about how it's being blended, but there's a lot of talk about this grape in this area. And in Rioja, 85% of the blend needs to be made up of these grapes, which is really cool. These are all indigenous varieties. We're not talking about Cabernet, Syrah. I mean, that would be whatever. If they wanted to put that in, it's fine. But it's very interesting that it's not. It's specifically these grapes from this region it's pretty cool. I mean, yes, there is Merlot, there is Cabernet Sauvignon, but from what I understand, they're really mostly experimental vines, not sort of uh, prominent in the blends. It's mostly these indigenous varieties. And it's pretty much the same with white wine. Even though there's not a lot of white wine being made in, in the Rioja region, it's a, they're very cool if, if you, when, when you get a chance to check them out. They're primarily blended with grapes like Viora, which is also called Macabeo in other places of Spain, like the Penedes. There's Garnacha Blanca, a grape called Malvasia. Also, the Maturana Blanca, which is the white version of the Maturana Tinta. And the majority of the blends are made up of these varieties, but of course, there is also Chardonnay and Sauvignon Blanc, but they can't, like the red, like, like Cabernet and Merlot, they're not really predominantly put, you know, part of these blends. As a major wine region, in the world. The way Rioja does wine is very interesting. I mean, first of all, there's the geographic thing where it's not political, it's geographical. That's one very interesting thing. The other interesting thing is that the majority of the wine being made in Rioja historically was that you'd have these merchant bodegas. Bodega is a winery. And there would be vine growers or grape growers that would supply these bodegas with wine. That's kind of how it was done. Like co there's also co-ops where you have a large wine making facility with multiple members. And it's usually kind of that wine goes from the vineyard into the kind of funnels into these merchant bodegas and all these labels are created. And that's kind of how Rioja works or has worked. Now there are single, there are wineries that have estates and can make their own wine, but this is sort of how it's been 
and how unique it is in Rioja because this kind of happened even through into modern times. The other thing that's unique to this area is how they classify their wine. For now, and things are changing as I actually say this, but the wines of Rioja are classified specifically by how much time they age in barrel and in oak in three categories, actually four, but three major categories. So the blending is very loose. You know, 85% has to be these grapes, but do whatever you want. It's the aging that defines. So these are the aging categories. You have Crianza, Reserva, and Gran Reserva. Crianza, which in, it's loosely translated to upbringing or to, or to bring up, um, the wines that are labeled Crianza, you'll see it on the, on the wine label. And on the back, you'll see a red sticker. That's new. These wines have to, be, have to be released in their third year. And at least 12 months of that time, the wine needs to be in oak barrels. And for white, it's only six months. These are the youngish wines, the wines that are soft and supple and fruity and awesome. They can be very leathery at times too, depending on the blend, but they're a little softer, a little, you know, they're younger. If the wine label says Reserva on the label, you'll see on the back of the wine bottle, there'll be a burgundy colored sticker. These wines also have a minimum aging of three years, but one of those years needs to be in barrel and six months need to be in bottle before release. If you see Gran Reserva on the label and it has a blue sticker on the back, these wines need to be aged a total of 60, that's six zero months with a minimum of two years in oak and another two years in bottle. Every other wine from Rioja that you see that is not in those categories is considered generic. I know it's a weird word, but it doesn't mean it's bad. But you'll look in the back of the label and the sticker will be kind of green, almost avocado green. That's just wines that do not adhere to these aging requirements. So it's kind of, this is, and my, my thought is that the benefit to this is the blending of these wines is very individual to the winemaker or the person building the blends. And I believe the blends are built to be Crianza Reserva or Gran Reserva. The amount of time that you age these wines in, you know, you want to get have certain varieties that are a little, little bit bigger than other varieties and all that. But the majority of the red wines you get from Rioja, even if it's Gran Reserva, Tempranillo is a beautiful, medium-bodied type wine, has good acidity, it's soft fruit, it's it's a really great sort of it kind of gives me the sort of a sort of a Sangiovese vibe in that it has that sort of acidity and medium fruit. It's good with food. That's why it's really great when it's blended with Graziano or Garnacha or Carignan, I'm sorry, Carignana or Masuelo to kind of like give it a little bit more, you know, gives it body and structure and color and all this stuff. Another interesting thing about Rioja is when the French were there helping out, they brought French barrels. I think French barrels have been in the Rioja region for you know, since like the late 1800s. But at some point, they started favoring American oak. American oak is so much more uh, influential uh, influential on the wine than a French oak. French oak is a little more subtle. American oak is, a, is, is big. It really kind of adds a lot of heft to a wine. And these wines in Rioja, there's some, they're, they're elegant. The wines in Rioja are elegant and they are built based on how they want to be, how they, the winemaker wants to age them. But 
you know, a Grand Reserva aged in American oak is going to be a nice medium to full bodied red wine, but they are using French as well. And I need to close out with this because it has to be said because it's happening. It's already happened is Rioja is focusing as we speak. And uh, over the past couple of years, they've kind of redefined some of the things they're doing. They're trying to focus a little bit more on terroir. In the Alavesa region, you're allowed now to attach a village to your label, kind of like what they do in Burgundy. Um, and there's like over 100 of them. And they're, 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 they're doing single vineyard stuff now. They're having like designations for single vineyards. But all these new things now are not as prominent on wine labels on our market. I mean, just want you guys to know about it because this is where Rioja is going. They're getting more focused and more focused on terroir. And we're going to start seeing more things on labels to help us understand where the wine is from. But when we get there, of course, VinePair will let you know all about it. So that's Rioja in a nutshell. Next time you're at a wine shop and you're looking at the Rioja section, you'll know what you're looking at. Oh, and don't worry about the netting. Some wine bottles have netting around them. It's just an aesthetic thing. Don't don't worry about that. But enjoy Rioja. I hope you can dig it. I hope this helps you understand it more. And I will see you, wine lovers, next week. Find Pear Keith is my Insta. Rate and review this podcast wherever you get your podcasts from. It really helps get the word out there. And now for some totally awesome credits. Wine 101 was produced, recorded, and edited by yours truly, Keith Beavers, at the Vine Pair headquarters in New York City. I want to give a big old shout out to co-founders Adam Teeter and Josh Mallon for creating Vine Pair. And I mean big shout out to Danielle Grinberg, the art director of Vine Pair, for creating the most awesome logo for this podcast. Also, Darby Seaside for the theme song. Listen to this. And I want to thank the entire Vine Pair staff for helping me learn something new every day. See you next week. This episode of Wine 101 is sponsored by Las Rocas Wine. Las Rocas Wines hail from an arid, hilly region in the northeast of Spain, where the air is dry and the terrain is unforgiving. Against all odds, Garnacha vines thrive here on these steep, rocky slopes, producing grapes with a signature palette of spice and minerality. These robust vines, some more than 100 years old, lend their lively spirit and character to all Las Rocas wines. Sample the rich and full-bodied flavors of Spain, Las Rocas wine.